Hey, this is Josh Herrera, and I am so glad that you have joined us today. If you are a part of our Lighthouse Church family, we would love to connect with you via our social media at Lighthouse Church NC or online at lighthousechurchnc.org. We want to get you plugged into a connect group or on the dream team so that you are doing life together with people just like you. We hope you enjoy today's message and stay tuned for more announcements at the end of our podcast. Hey, good morning. Y'all look amazing. Do me a favor. Would you stand up on your feet one more time? And it's so good to be here joining you all. Um, You know, for the last three months, we have been on a journey of starting this church, Lighthouse Church, North County. If you are new here and wondering how long have we been around, we've only been going for about three and a half months now. And we are planting a brand new community, not just here in San Marcos, but we are trying to reach the greater North County area. So welcome. And I want you to know that you are our guest of honor. Y'all look amazing. Do me a favor. Look at your neighbor and tell them you look amazing this morning. Would you do that? But you got to mean it, okay? Don't just like haphazardly tell them, tell them you look good this morning. All right. Um, And also, as I say that, you've been hearing a lot of me. I'm going to be allowing some other young men and young women come up and help out just like Salah Benno did. Can we give him a round of applause? He did an amazing job today helping us out. Next week, you're going to hear someone else. Next week, you're going to hear someone else. And we just believe in empowering, equipping, and deploying people here in the kingdom. But I'm excited for what God has for us today. Are you excited for the word of God? Amen. So as you're standing, go with me to the book of Matthew, chapter 4. And I want to continue with our series, Kingdom Culture. Say that back to me. Say Kingdom Culture. It's a brand new series that the Lord has led us to, and today we are going to go into the third installment of Kingdom Culture. If you'd like to go back and listen to the previous messages, you can listen to the podcast on the Apple uh, on the Apple Podcast, iTunes Podcast. You can also do that on Spotify, and we're just up on YouTube. That started just a couple weeks ago, so you can always catch up with what we've been talking about. So Matthew chapter 4, we're going to read the first few verses. It reads as follows, then Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil for 40 days and 40 nights he fasted and he became very hungry during that time the devil came and said to him if you are the son of God I want you to repeat if you are we're going to focus on that in just a moment if you are the son of God tell these stones to become loaves of bread but Jesus told him no the scriptures say people do not live by bread alone but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. For just a few moments, I want to preach to you this thought that the Father gave me, and it's called fixing your narrative. Would you look at your neighbor and tell them, fixing your narrative? Uh, I think I want you to do that like you had a good chorizo burrito this morning, okay? Look at your neighbor and tell them, fixing your narrative. There we go. Hey, do me a favor. Let's pray one more time before we get into the word. Would you lift your hands up towards this platform? And let's just pray that God would join us. Father, we thank you for all that you are doing here. We thank you, God, for how you've moved in our worship. We thank you, Lord God, as we lifted up a praise and we lifted up a shout declaring of your goodness. And now, Father, we lift up open hearts. And we open up our minds and our spirits to receive your word at this time. Speak to us today. We, Lord God, need to hear a word from you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Clap your hands as you're seated one last time, fixing your narrative. I saw something on um, Instagram just a couple of days ago, and it was this church, and the screen was black, and it just had white letters on it, and it drew my attention. And it said, if you want to continue receiving 
our content in your feed, please like this post or drop a comment in the comment section. And it got me thinking as to why would, uh, uh, why would someone post that? And then I later learned that the Instagram and the Facebook world once again changed their algorithm. Can you say algorithm? And so what the algorithms do is based on what you like and what you comment or what you stop the scroll for and you start to observe. That's freaky, isn't it, church? I mean, they will track your movement. And so when you like something, when you comment on something, or even if you do neither but you're just looking at it, it's going to put more of that information in front of you. That's kind of scary, huh? I mean, it's literally tracking everything. It's watching what you like, what you comment. And I didn't even realize that they could stop the scroll. And if you're spending time looking at something, it's sending a signal back to them that you like what you're seeing. It used to be that if you didn't like or comment on something, you could hide from what you were watching. But now the more you see it, the more you're going to see it. You guys following me? And so it drew my attention as I began to realize that social media was now curbing what you see based on what you like and what you comment on and, of course, what you really stop and pay attention to. And so what happens is because it tracks all of those movements, it's putting that to the forefront of your social media. And so depending on your political affiliation, if you lean to the right or if you lean to the left, you're going to start to see more of that information on your feed. And what that does is it begins to filter out opposing information. And you are now only seeing what you are consuming. Now, the crazy thing about all of that, and the reason I say all of that, is because if you don't understand the way that works, you might only think that the worldview is your worldview. You might think that the worldview is only what you like. You might think the worldview is only what you comment on, and you won't see an opposite worldview. Now, for some things, it's probably good. You don't need to see an opposite worldview when it directly conflicts with your values as a Christian. But when you start talking about issues where there is no right or wrong, there's only a choice, you're only fed what you want to see. You're only consuming what you really want to consume. And so the byproduct of that is you begin to live in an echo chamber of your own preferences. You start to live in this echo chamber of what you like. You start to live in this place where the only thing that you are seeing is what you agree with. And anyone who doesn't agree with you, you might label them or you put them in an out group. And so what happens is your life is now being shaped and you have a new narrative. And your narrative is becoming what you are consuming. And just because that is your narrative, it does not mean that it is the narrative. Sometimes we think that our narrative is the narrative, but it is simply your narrative. I've had conversations with people, and when I've had to have a difficult conversation, or if I've had to have a real sensitive conversation, I might use that language and say, I understand this is your narrative. But that may not be the truth. That might not be my view of what is going on. That is simply your narrative. So let's define narrative. We'll put that up on the screen. It is a representation of a particular situation or process in such a way as to reflect or conform to an overarching set of aims or values. 
what we are seeing, what we are consuming, what is being put in front of us becomes our narrative. And that's why for a long time, I didn't even want to watch the news anymore. How many of you, be honest, we're in church, it's Sunday, how many of you just stopped with the news? Is there anyone else in this room that just kind of stopped? Why? Part of the reason I stopped with the news is because it was always bad news, right? I mean, how often do they show good news? It's always bad news. And if you're not careful, you'll think that this whole world is just bad and there's no good in the world. And there's nothing good here on this planet. And you got to be careful because if that's all you consume, that becomes your narrative. That this, there's nothing good in this world. I got so excited because yesterday there was churches from all over the country that were serving their city. You see, that's my narrative. Because I like those types of posts and because I like to consume that type of, type of content, I didn't wake up with this narrative and see that it's all doom and gloom. I saw a lot of churches being the hands and feet of Jesus and feeding the city and reaching out and doing community work. And that was my narrative. So you see how the narratives can shift based on what you're starting to consume? And so when, let me take you now to the passage of Scripture here in Matthew 4. When you go to Matthew chapter 4, what you have here first and foremost, and this is the first point that I want you to write down, is this. The enemy is always challenging God's narrative. The enemy is always challenging God's narrative. We've been talking about kingdom culture. Sermon number one in this series, we talked about Jesus' very first words recorded in the Bible when he was 12 years old. The second part of our series, we talked about the next thing Jesus said, and those were the words that he spoke at his baptism. We are literally just going right to the next passage of Scripture, and in the very next passage of Scripture in Matthew 4, Jesus now being led by the Spirit goes up to the wilderness where he is going to fast for 40 days and for 40 nights. And, and so we're seeing this story illustrated in the life of Jesus. And, and the first thing that happens at the end of his fast, he's, he's closing in on 40 days of, of prayer and fasting. All of a sudden, the enemy shows up. The tempter shows up. The devil shows up. And he asks him a very pointed question. He says, if you are the Son of God. Remember how I asked you to repeat that, if you are? The reason that's so important is because the enemy knew that he was the son of God. He knew who he was, but what he was trying to do was he was trying to convince Jesus to somehow allow doubt in and question whether or not he was the son of God. Now, if you back up what just happened last week, if you go to Matthew chapter 3, the Bible says that Jesus came to the Jordan River to be baptized, and his cousin John points him out and says, behold, um, he, he, he calls out who Jesus is as he's getting ready to baptize him, and he lets everyone know, and he, he makes that announcement. He says, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So John already affirmed who he was. The Bible says after Jesus came out of the water, the voice of God spoke and said, behold, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. And the very first thing the enemy says to him after God just finished telling him, saying, behold, my son, he says, if you are the son. And that's exactly the trick of the enemy. He's always trying to challenge He's always trying to challenge God's narrative. But how many know that the devil is a liar? I said, how many you know that the devil is a liar? And how many you know that so is his mother-in-law? He is the father of lies. Everything he says is a lie. So anytime he challenges something that is being spoken over your life, understand that the opposite of what he says is true because he is a liar. Many of us listen more to what he's saying about us without even realizing that he can't speak the truth. 
he's not capable of speaking the truth. So what he tries to do instead is twist the narrative. What he tries to do instead is get you to believe a narrative that is not God's narrative. And that's all he can do. But he knows God's narrative for your life. And that's why anytime the enemy comes and tells you something, understand that the opposite of that is true. Say amen if you're tracking with me so far. And that's been so good for me to know because every time the enemy has whispered into my ear, you're not good enough, I realize that deep down in the inside of that, he was saying that because God thinks that I'm good enough. And every time the enemy came and whispered into your ear and said your marriage isn't going to survive this storm, understand the opposite is true because God declared the opposite to be true. Your storm's going to make, your marriage is going to make it out of that storm. It's going to come out stronger than ever. And on the other side of that, you're not just going to have help yourself, but you're going to have a story to help other people as well. That's the reason the devil was lying to you in the first place. He knows sometimes more than you know the anointing that God has on your life. And so what he tries to do is change the narrative. And so I learned a long time ago not to subscribe to what the enemy says. I learned a long time ago that the only thing he can say is a lie. And I've learned to flip the narrative by always doing the opposite of what the enemy was telling me to do. And he does this by appealing to our flesh, right? He says, if you are the son of God, command these stones to be turned to bread. And that's the way he works in. He will flip the narrative. He will challenge what God is saying to you. But he'll do it by way of trying to get you to do something that satisfies your flesh. Because our fleshly desires are always warring against our spiritual desires. When we know we shouldn't do something, the enemy will come in, create a lie, fabricate a story, change the narrative to try to get you to do something in your flesh. He's trying to get you to make a flesh decision. He's trying to get you to make a decision based on how you are feeling in that moment. And in that moment, Jesus was feeling hungry. How many know that after 40 days and 40 nights, you're going to feel some hunger? Some of you looking at me like, Pastor, after four hours, I feel some hunger. I mean, if you would hurry up with this sermon, I can go out and get some brunch. And so he attacks Jesus where he knows that he is weak, but he comes and he's challenging the narrative of God. And God's narrative is always the narrative that we need to get beside, right? God's narrative is the narrative of our life that we really need to subscribe to because he will always come and try to tell you something opposite of what God is saying. But you have got to believe that every time he speaks, it's a lie, and God brings truth into our life. As a matter of fact, God doesn't just speak truth. He is truth. That's why you've got to get Jesus on your life. That's why you've got to get him in the inside of you. In just a couple of weeks, we're going to be celebrating Baptism Sunday. You want to know what baptism does? It changes the narrative for your life. There's some of you in this room that are considering, do I get baptized? Do I not get baptized? I might have been baptized as a baby, but the Bible teaches me to be baptized when I'm old enough to make that decision for myself. And so we say at this church, it's an adult decision. So if it wasn't a decision that you made as an adult, that's a decision that you should make. And what's so powerful about baptism is, is it changes the narrative of your life. I've seen so many people go into the waters, and they went into the waters with an addiction, but God is not done writing the story of that person's life. The enemy might try to tell you you're never going to overcome this addiction, but that's his narrative. God's narrative says not only are you going to overcome that addiction, but I'm going to give you a story that's going to help other people get set free from their addictions because that's what God does. 
When you get baptized, you change the narrative of your life. And you do that publicly. And you're letting everyone know that that previous narrative is not the end of my story. You know what I love about a good book? Uh, a good book, uh, you, 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 uh, what I love about the, the really, really good books is it all comes together at the end. I guess that's what I'm talking about. Or a good movie. You ever watch some of those movies where you're just like, oh, my God, where is this going? I, 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 um, I can't wait. How many of you, I'm going to be in my flesh for just a second, okay? How many of you can't watch a movie with someone that asks a lot of questions? Right? What, what did he say? I'm like, just go away. Just let me watch the movie, please. Now you're talking. I can't hear the movie. I like those movies where it all comes together at the end, right? And, and, and I think that God, because he is a creator, he creates the best stories. And so the ups and the downs of your life, don't ever stop on the downs because God's not done writing your stories. Don't allow that low point of your life to become your narrative. Don't allow substance abuse to become your narrative. Don't allow divorce to become your narrative. Don't allow any sort of thing that the enemy brought against you to become your narrative. You have a choice. You can either stay in that pit and wallow in who you've become, or you can say, I subscribe to God's narrative for my life. And I may be at a low point right now, but God's not done writing my story. I believe that greater days are ahead of me. I believe that God has better things in store for me. I believe that my story is still being written, and so I am going to subscribe to God's narrative. Clap your hands if you're with me. And so we have to understand that the enemy is always challenging God's narrative. The second thing that I want you to write down is God's narrative is found in the scriptures. God's narrative is found in the scriptures. You see, when the enemy came to tempt Jesus, the first thing Jesus replied back to him was this. It is written. I want you to say that. Say it is written. That's exactly the thing that Jesus did to combat the lies of the enemy. And what he did was teach us where we are supposed to find our narrative from. You see, there's a lot of places that you can go to try and get your narrative fixed. But I've learned that the best narrative is the narrative that I have found in the scriptures. I believe everything in this book applies to me. I believe that everything in this book has application for me. Now, God might have been speaking to a different culture, and God might have been speaking to a different time, but there are timeless principles in the Word of God that if I take that principle throughout the totality of Scripture and apply it to my life, I realize that that's the narrative that I need to have for my life. And the challenge is, as a church, we are becoming very biblically illiterate. We are. We're becoming very biblically illiterate in the church. And if we're not careful, this next generation isn't going to know their Bible. They're going to know a lot about lights. They're going to know a lot about haze machines. They're going to know a lot about music, but they're not going to know their Bible. And production never saved anybody. And I'm all for creative. And I'm all for social media. And I'm all for doing things that are going to compel people to come so that they can hear the life-changing story of Jesus. But we need a generation that's on fire with the Word of God on the inside of them. Say amen if you're with me. No, 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 pastor, you go study your Bible. You bring the word to me, and you let me eat from what you're receiving. Listen, only babies still need other people to feed them. 
it's cute to feed a baby, right? It ain't cute when you're having to cut your 30-year-old son his steak with a knife so you can feed him. It's no longer cute, is it? And it's no longer cute when you come to church and you haven't fed yourself Monday through Saturday and you wonder why you came to the church depleted because you've not been in your word all week. I know I'm right here today. I know, I know. It hurts a little bit. It hurts a little bit. But, man, I wouldn't, be, I wouldn't love you if I wouldn't tell you the truth. And so there's a lot of things that we can consume in our life, but not enough of us are consuming the Scriptures. We're consuming many other things, but we're not consuming what the Word of God has to say about us. When you consume the Scriptures and when the Bible is, watch this, shaping your narrative then when you hear an opposite narrative than what the Bible is telling you, you're not going to listen to that narrative because it doesn't matter what my boss says about me. It doesn't matter what my coworkers say about me. It doesn't matter what that lying devil says about me. My Bible tells me that I'm the head and I'm not the tail. My Bible tells me that I am more than a conqueror through Christ who loves me. My narrative is not shaped by this world and my narrative is not shaped by an agenda that is being fueled by the media, but my agenda, my, my, my narrative is shaped by Jesus, his word, prayer, the Bible. That's what shapes my narrative. And too many of us are allowing ourselves to, ourselves to get narratives from other places. But when you understand that the Bible has the right narrative for your life, no matter what you're going through, the Bible has a solution for you. Now, I'm not going to say that it all makes sense. But I can tell you that no matter what you're going through, you can turn to the scriptures and find a narrative that's going to counter what the enemy is trying to put in your life. You see, if you're suffering with anxiety, Philippians 4, 6 says, be anxious for nothing, but by prayer and supplication, make your requests known to God. If you're being attacked by fear, Deuteronomy 31, 8 says, he will never leave you, nor will he forsake you. So do not be afraid and do not be discouraged. If you're feeling like you're alone, Matthew 28, 20 says, and I will be with you even until the end of the world. If you ever feel like you're dealing with some opposition, Isaiah 54, 17 says, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. If you've ever felt like you were insufficient, 1 John 4, 4 says, that greater is he who is in me than he that is in the world. You got to choose what is going to shape your narrative. Is it going to be the word of God or what the enemy is saying? Come on, clap your hands if you're with me. So how do I fix my narrative? My last point, I fix my narrative by changing what I consume. I fix my narrative. Again, what you like on Instagram. What you comment on, on Instagram. What you're stopping and looking on, on social media. That becomes your narrative. Not enough of you are stopping and opening up the Bible to fix the narrative in your life. And if you spent some time changing what you consume, then your narrative would change and your reality would change. Oh my God, I hope y'all were getting this right now. You've got to allow the word of God to become the thing that you run to. Too many of us get all up in our feelings. I'm going to go to my stories. I'm all up in my feelings right now. We've got to let the scriptures shape our narrative. It's a beautiful thing that we find. I love studying um, Jewish culture because obviously Christianity comes out of that. And um, one of the things that, and you might still find this practice in Orthodox Judaism today, is whenever they would read the scriptures, when a father is reading the scriptures with his son, it was a common practice to grab some honey 
and apply it to the lip as they read the scripture because they were teaching their children that the word of God is sweet to my spirit and to my soul. They would read a scripture and apply some honey, and it was conditioning in them. The word of God is sweet. The word of God is sweet. The word of God satisfies me. The word of God is my delight. I understand some of you are like, Pastor Josh, but that Bible in the King James Version, get the message translation, okay? Get an application that you can sit down and read. Find a way to get into the word, but you better get into your word. Because there is nothing that we do outside of the word of God and the preaching of the word of God that's going to bring any lasting change in your life. Because I've been in church for a long time, okay? And I've been in church long enough to know that you can get the music going at a certain decibel. And you can sing the right song. And it will evoke a certain kind of emotion. But that's not going to last. You want to know what's going to last? The word of God is going to last. The Bible says that heaven and earth shall pass away. But his word is never going to change. We have to become a biblical, literate community. Lighthouse, North County, I want you to hear me. We have got to become a biblical, literate community. You cannot allow anyone else's faith to become your faith. You have got to find faith for yourself. The Bible says it this way. Work out your own salvation. Your mama's faith was good enough, but once you became an adult, it was time for you to find your own faith. It was time for you to find your own faith. Jesus quotes Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 8 in this passage of Scripture. And uh, I, I took it out of my notes. I, I, didn't, I wasn't going to read it, and now I'm going to read it. So um, I hope you bear with me as I, I pull that up here. But Jesus quotes, uh, um, he, he quotes from Deuteronomy, and I'm going to paraphrase it, but what he said in, when he quoted Deuteronomy was this. He said, when Israel cried out to God in the wilderness... Because they were hungry, it was then that he provided manna. Everybody say manna. We just finished learning about this in our past sermon series when we talked about how God provided manna for them. And when Jesus quoted Deuteronomy, because what he did, he said, it is written, and he quoted scripture to the enemy. So we, 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 don't, we don't have time to quote Simon Sinek to the enemy. We don't have time to quote Oprah Winfrey to the enemy. We don't have time to quote Confucius to the enemy. We don't have time to quote whoever it is that you like listening to their podcast to the enemy. When the enemy comes in and he's attacking God's narrative on your life, you have got to respond with Scripture. You have got to respond with the Word of God. And this is what Jesus did. Watch this now. This is the Son of God who could have responded in any sort of way. Kingdom culture. Understand, everything that Jesus did was intentional, and he could have rebuked Satan and spoke a word, and he had to leave. But instead, he taught us, this is how you fight your battles. You get in your word. And he said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And Jesus was quoting from the book of Deuteronomy. And what was so beautiful about that reference is this. The reason God sent manna from heaven was he was teaching them to get a daily provision from him. Everybody say daily. The one hour that you spend with us here at church on Sunday is not enough for you to make it through the rest of your week, church. It's not enough. And I have no problem with you. If you want to watch another preacher, you want to watch some Matt Chandler during the week, go for it. You want to watch some Bishop Jakes, go for it. You want to watch some Stephen Furtick, go for it. But you have got to feed yourself Monday through Saturday. There are 167 hours during the week that you are not here with us. 167. 
And trust me, there is no one on this leadership team that has any sort of insecurity issues at all. So you get in your word, you listen to some preachings, you start flipping out some of your content and start consuming some good stuff, and you have got to flip the narrative of your life. But you have got to consume the word. And so the reason Jesus quoted from Deuteronomy was he was trying to, he was trying to make the point that we're not just going to live by bread alone, but we're going to live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Manna wasn't anything that grew on a tree. It just appeared, the Bible said. You know, a fruit doesn't just appear. You don't just get an apple one day on the floor and it just came up out of the ground. There's a process, a seed, it's planted, and, 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 and eventually you get a tree, and out of the tree comes a fruit. But with God, the reason we have got to have a daily bread is God's got a fresh word for you every single day. But many of us are only talking to him on Sundays. And he wants to talk to you on Monday and on Tuesday and on Wednesday and on Thursday and on Friday and on Saturday. Give us this day our daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread. When you start fixing your narrative, you, have, you begin by fixing what you are consuming. What are you listening to? Now, I'll never sit here and preach to you that any music that isn't Christian music is of the devil, although there are some pastors that will preach that. I won't go as far. I won't go so far as to say that. But I will go so far as to say there is some music that's absolute trash that you shouldn't listen to. Absolutely. And so you do have to start running some things out your life and not listen to certain things and start consuming some music that's going to build you up and pour into you and speak to the spirit, man. And you've got to find some sermon. That, that's part of the reason we put this stuff on Spotify and we have our sermons on iTunes is because if you miss the sermon, we want you to get it during the week. We have some incredible people right now that are serving in Elkids. Let's give all of our Elkids team a round of applause. Let's do it big enough for them to hear us. Come on, they're watching your kids. And so they're not going to get the sermon today like you're getting it, but they're able to go back and listen to it during the week. So we have to fix what we consume. Let's put this on the screen. Psalm 119.11. Psalm 119.11 says, I have hidden your word. Everybody say your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Let's put up the next scripture. Psalm 119.105. Say your word is a lamp to guide my feet and it is a light for my path. Do you want to know? Um, let me give you some homework. Your homework this week, if you choose to accept it, <laughs> your mission this week, your homework this week. We're all out of school after all. Read Psalm 119. Just read it. Just read it. Read that. It's the longest psalm. Longest psalm. It's beautiful. And all of the psalms, everything that's on there, all of the verses that's part of that psalm, the whole premise of it is consuming the word of God. And it talks about your word is my delight. And it talks about your word lights my pathway. And it talks about daily I will dedicate, meditate on your word. If you're ever feeling like, Pastor, I can't do this, open up Psalm 119 and just begin to consume from that psalm. And just allow the word of God to come on the inside of you. And just allow it to rest on you. Just allow it to consume you. And I'm coming to a close now. But... But in, through Psalm 119, and I only quoted a couple of verses to you, but if you read the rest of that psalm, you're going to see that, that, that there was this delight that men and women of the Old Testament had when it came to reading the word. You know, there's another Jewish custom and practice. Um, we may get to it in this sermon series. I don't know because I'm moving at a snail's pace on this sermon series. I was supposed to go through the entire temptations, and I stopped at the first one. I said, there is so much stuff here, and we have got to fix our narrative, and we're just going to stay right here. But 
if you look at the Jewish practices and if you look at the days of Jesus during his time, when the rabbis would come to this, when the rabbis would go teach in the synagogues, they would be handed a scroll. I don't have a scroll, but I got my Bible. So let's just pretend that it is a scroll. And all of the reading that was done in the synagogue was pre-selected. It was countered, kind of like the, 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 the one-year Bible app, if you will, okay, the one-year Bible reading plan. It was a prescribed list of what needed to be read. And they would hand the scroll over to the rabbi, and the rabbi would hold up the scroll. He would hold up the scroll in the synagogue. And, and in the Jewish culture, everybody would start clapping. They would start cheering. They would let out a shout. They would, they would, they would let out a praise because that's how much they revered the word of God. There was such a reverence for the scriptures that when the scriptures brought, brought out, they were held up and everyone just began to rejoice because they knew that this was God's written word given to man. Too many of us, we get to the preaching, we think it's time for me to pull out my cell phone and distract myself with something else. We don't have that same reverence that they had. And I think we need to get that reverence back. We, we, we need to get that reverence back for the word of God. So if you want to go home and get a little honey bottle next to you when you start reading the Bible and start conditioning yourself, go for it. Go for it. But whatever it takes, you need to start getting the word of God on the inside of you because this is what is going to fix the broken narrative of your life. If you're not careful, your family will start saying stuff to you like, that's just the way we are. We're the Joneses, and this is what the Joneses do. The Joneses are always going to suffer with alcoholism. Change the narrative. Change the narrative. That's just, that boy, he's just like his daddy. His daddy never could stay faithful to his mama. That boy's going to be the exact same way. Change the narrative of that. You don't have to ascribe to that. Change the narrative by getting the word of God on the inside of you and say, I refuse to be the person that my father was. Fix your narrative. Don't allow other people to set the narrative for your life. But you do that when you stop listening to the word of God. And you do that when you put your Bible away. When your Bible is hid collecting dust on a shelf, I can tell you're going to have a narrative problem for your life because you're going to let some agenda set the narrative for your life. Don't let the agenda of this world in media set the narrative for your life. And I'm not talking about a political persuasion. As I said week one, I'm not a citizen of the kingdom of this world. I'm a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. And my political views don't align with the right or the left. They align with King Jesus. That's where I align myself. I align myself with his word. I align myself with his word. And so you have a choice. In two weeks, we're going to have Baptism Sunday. Some of you need to fix your narrative. And I love the fact that we get to go into the water. Not only is it going to be like 100 degrees outside and you're going to have a nice cool dip. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. I don't know how, how warm it's going to be. But um, not only is it just a, a figurative washing. It, 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 uh, I'm sorry, it's not just a literal washing. It's a figurative washing as well. We're going to wash away all your sins, and we're going to also wash away every label. We're going to wash away every narrative that's not of God. It's going to wash away everything that you've done wrong in your life, and you are never going to be the same. Amen. You'll never be the same again. Can I get a good amen in this house? Come on, Lighthouse. Can you put your hands together? I want us to lean in at this time right now. Right where you're at, would you just come up on the edge of your seat, and let's just pray right now, right where you're at. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, God. We thank you for your word that's gone forward in this place, Jesus. But God, I feel a tension in this room right now. There are many people that are ready to change the narrative of their life. They are tired of wearing the label that others have put on them. 
people are starting to define them by a one-time mistake. And God, that is not your story for their life. So today, God, I pray that this place would become a house of healing. In the name of Jesus, I pray that you would just begin to break every single chain. There are chains of guilt that we are wearing because of some dumb mistake we made five years ago. There are chains of depression that we have been married, that we have been wearing because of some mistake that we made two years ago. And we've been carrying it like a burden week after week, forcing a smile and forcing happiness and pretending to be joyful when deep on the inside of us we are broken by this mistake that we have now allowed to become a narrative but you have come to set the captives free today you have come to make every creature in Christ a new creation you have come to make all things new in this house so father right now in the name of Jesus we turn our back to the lies of the enemy and we turn our face to the truth of your word we turn our back to every negative mistake that we make and the repercussions that we've been suffering from and we turn our face to the to the beautiful life and the abundant life that we now have in you in Jesus name we pray amen come on let's clap our hands all over this house if this message has blessed your life I want to encourage you to share this message with others or go online to our website and consider making a donation so that we can continue bringing you content just like today's message God bless you